Welcome to the Rooted Conference Podcast, Rooted's newest podcast channel. This podcast features plenaries, workshops, and teachings from Rooted's annual conference and other events. The Rooted Conference Podcast is part of the Rooted family of podcasts, which also includes the Rooted Parent Podcast, the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, Ask Alice, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted's ministry, visit rootedministry.com. Today's episode is recorded at Rooted's 2021 conference in Birmingham, Alabama. To learn more about Rooted's annual conference or to register for this year's event, visit rooted-conference.com. That's rooted-conference.com. Um, the last time I spoke in this environment, uh, here at Cathedral Church, the Advent, a tornado hit my house. Um, so it's all up from here. Um, and it was sunny when I came here. It, was, it looked just like this, so I'm not like traumatized or freaking out at all. Uh, so everything's going to be just fine. Uh, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad we're able to talk about this. Uh, let me just get a couple things out of the way. Uh, so most of us are very, very uncomfortable using proper terminology. Uh, so just look, it's a, it's a group of mostly men and a few women. Uh, let's just practice saying penis and vagina together, shall we? Um, it's a fantastic skill set to have. Uh, so on the count of three, let's start with vagina. One, two, three. Vagina. Oh, that was actually well done. Um, so then we're going to go for penis on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes. Oh, thank you. Um, I feel better already um, because if you got nothing else, you said penis and vagina inside a church building. That's probably the first time for some of you. Um, and so that's a, that's a great thing. Real quick, also, I like to get just a read as to how safe of a room I'm in. Uh, so can I just get a quick show of hands? How many murderers in the room? Okay, how many adulterers in the room? All right, I've got, I've got two honest people and a lot of liars. Um, I can change the topic uh, from porn to lying. They go hand in hand, oddly enough. Um, but uh, so Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've looked at anybody with lust, then you've committed adultery. If you've looked at, if you've been angry at anybody, you've committed murder. You're all murderers and adulterers. And I've proven liars. So um, the, the, the ground is now just delightfully level um, at the foot of the cross, and no one's better or worse than anybody else. Hi, my name's Tal. I'm a sex addict. Um, so that's how we do this. And um, it, it, some of you may want my contact information. You can find me on Facebook, all the things. Um, and if you're interested in having me come to wherever it is you are uh, and speak, you can contact Brian Elliott at the Premier Speakers Bureau, and he would love to talk to you um, about doing that. Um, how many of you are facing this in the people to whom you minister or in your homes? Right? And how many of you work in an environment where it's just freely discussed? Yeah, I got like a, eh, kind of, uh, depending upon who's in that day. 
Yeah. Uh, so that's a pretty common response. Quickly, how many of you have heard a sermon series on the Song of Solomon in your life? Three. How many of you have heard more than one? Two and a half. Um, uh, you know, so dig that number for a second. Most people never hear a sermon on the Song of Solomon. Most people don't hear anything the Bible has to say about sex other than, hey, don't do it till you're married, which is not formally in the canon. (laughs) And if you ask most of us why, we don't really have a great answer. Um, And let me tell you, we'll see some numbers here in a second, but... Uh, We're going to go really, really fast. But this is um, G.K. Chesterton, who um, said, The true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. If you love the people to whom you minister, this is a fight we must take on. Not because we hate porn, hate the culture. This is not a culture war. We will never win that. Stop trying that. You can stand on the street corner and yell all you want. That's not going to change it. Porn's been around since we could draw on the walls of caves. All right? It's not going away. Uh, So we're not going to end it that way. And Martin Luther said, if I profess with the loudest voice and the clearest exposition every portion of the truth except precisely that point which the world and the devil are currently attacking, then I am not confessing Christ, however boldly I may be professing him. Where the battle rages, there the loyalty of the soldier is proved. And to be steady, on all the battlefront besides is mere flight and disgrace if he flinches at that point. Martin Luther, by the way, my favorite dead German. (laughs) Um, So um, denominationally, I'm kind of an Episcopabterian. Um, which I find a hard time finding a church like that. Um, I'm ordained Southern Baptist. I'm just not angry about it. Um, Or political. Uh, so, um, but I, you're going to hear, I have lots of opinions and I'm very passionate about everything that I have to say. And that's why it's important for me to remind you and myself that at no point in time do I believe the Trinity becomes a quartet when I die. Um, and, and you know, and nor are you. Um, but so this is a, a, a real key thing for Just a reminder, this is going to go really super fast today. This is a thing I normally do over a day, a day and a half. You're getting 40 minutes. Um, And so it's going to go really super fast. If you have questions along the way, please just throw them out. We'll just deal with them as they're here. Um, I'd love for this to be more dialogue. Um, I can monologue for 45 minutes. I've done it. I'm not proud or tired. Um, but um, love for you to join the conversation with me. You guys are on the ground. You're in it. You're, you're having challenges. I see it in my counseling office, and you're seeing it in mass uh, with a group of kids. Uh, and, and so I want to help you guys as best I can. How many of you know uh, the current average age of exposure to hardcore pornography in the United States? I got a couple of tens. Six. Nine, six. It's eight. 
Um, that's hardcore porn, not softcore porn. Let me define the difference for you really quickly. Softcore porn, pictures, video of people that are not wearing clothes. Hardcore porn is people not wearing clothes and they're up to something. All right? Uh, so sexual activity, if they are anything that is featuring sexual activity, that can be solo sexual activity. It can be masturbation. Um, it can be webcamming, anything like that. That is hardcore pornography. Um, and so the average age in the United States is eight. Is that witnessing or being addicted to? Oh, no, just seeing. First age of exposure. Uh, first age of exposure, our own United States Department of Justice said never before in the history of telecommunications media in the United States has so much indecent and obscene material been so easily accessible by so many minors in so many American homes with so few restrictions. The laws are not going to catch up to this. And we're not great with laws anyway. <laughs> it took us one generation to get to murder. We're not great at it. All right? Uh, so there was one rule when we started. <laughs> that was it, one. Uh, we're not great at rule following. Uh, and so we can't look to our legislators to protect our children from this. There's not a way to really do that. Um, and the laws are woefully behind the digital world. Um, you know, the digital world is the equivalent of the wild, wild west. So um, this is this this that I'm about to give you is an ancient number. OK, this was true 15 years ago when this. Uh, when this study came out in the American Journal and the American Journal of Pediatricians, um, it, this is this is what it is that they said that American adolescents and they define that as as 12 to 25. I don't know any 25 year olds currently rocking their pediatrician visit, um, <laughs> but apparently, um, and so uh, but they, so what they said is American adolescents are being exposed to 14,000 sexually explicit references every year. 12 months, 14,000 sexually explicit references, and over 75% of that outside of a monogamous context. What's the percent? It's 14,000, oh, 75% um, is outside of what we would consider God's design close to because it's just monogamous. Um, you know, so it didn't say within the context of marriage. Now, um, let me break that down for you because that's a lot. 14,000 is a weird number. That's 40 times a day. That's 40 times a day that American adolescents are being given sexually explicit references that doesn't count innuendo. This is 40 times a day. That's 280 times Sunday to Sunday. And again, how many of you have heard a sermon series on Song of Self? How many of you are talking about sex at least 280 times a week with the kids to whom you minister? Because the enemy's knocking that door down. Easy. And the longer and the more that we stay silent, I'm telling you, it is on us. And I know 
I've pastored, I've been in your world, and you want to talk about sex, and somebody goes, oh, man, I don't know if we can do that. When people call to book me, I ask two questions. The first question is, are you in or currently about to begin a capital campaign? <laughs> and if the answer to that is yes, we're done. Just call me when it's over. <laughs> because here's what's going to happen. Your biggest donors are going to call you and say, oh, man, I don't know if we should be doing this. And I don't know if we should be talking about this. And you're going to cave because you need the building. And you're going to call and cancel me and forfeit a large deposit. <laughs> so look, let's just save each other the frustration and just wait till that's over. This is where we really are. It's hard to talk about it. And 40 times a day, our enemy is knocking on the door. We have, as Christians, allowed a terminated representative of the manufacturer to sell the product. And because we're uncomfortable, we won't say anything. I was 13 years old. Like, I was exposed to hardcore pornography when I was eight. I was a trailblazer early um, on the curve. I was sexually active before I was 13 years old. I was sexually abused, and, I'm, and, and, and then I'm sexually active of my own volition before I'm 13 years old. And a book on my 13th birthday appeared magically on my bed with no discussion. And it was an animated book from, I think, Focus on the Family about, hey, here's the sex talk in book form. And I, I kid you not, this is so sad. I'm rolling through the book, and my response is, yeah, Christians do not know how to do this. And I heard youth speaker after youth speaker after youth speaker tell me, it is so painful, and it, it, it hurts so bad. And I'm thinking, well, you're not doing it right, bro. I had no alternative. I didn't know what they were talking about. And I was too deep in the game before anybody from the church showed up to say anything. And I love you guys for being here, and I love you for what you do, and you're too late. Who I want is children's ministers, and you want to talk about people freaking out. <laughs> um, they don't want to have this conversation, right? So... Um, but 40 times a day, get this, in one generation, one generation, we have gone from playing spin the bottle to sexting, one generation. So, uh, let's talk about the brain. Uh, this is a, a diffusion MRI scan. It's an As we experience the pains of a perishing, defiled, and fading world, our hope can feel distant or idle. Yet in Christ, we are born again to a hope that is both living and active. This is the message of Rooted's 2022 conference entitled Living Hope, a walk through 1 Peter. Join us in Kansas City from October 6th through the 8th as we survey 1 Peter together. This is a conference for all of those who minister to teenagers, youth pastors, 
volunteers, and parents. Our prayer is that those who attend would have renewed eyes to see that which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us by Jesus, our living hope. Learn more and register at www.rooted-conference.com. That's rooted-conference.com. So, uh, let's talk about the brain. Uh, this is a, a diffusion MRI scan. It's an fMRI scan of a human brain. It's fascinating and beautiful and incredibly complex. It is the most complex organ uh, in the known universe. And what we learn about the brain on a daily basis is fascinating. Um, and, and so this is, this is just showing structural connectivity in the brain. Um, this is basically blood flow through white matter. Uh, it's amazing and really beautiful. And this is not the brain most of y'all are dealing with. Most of the brain most of y'all are dealing with is this one. <laughs> All right? Um, this is not a full deck, right? So listen, you, those of you who are ministering to youth, you are dealing with brains who are not nearly fully developed. They are running everything out of what is called the midbrain, the limbic system. It's the pleasure center of the brain. Gives you dopamine, that's pleasure. We love that. Gives you serotonin, that's that pleasant relaxation feel. We love that. Who doesn't want to feel pleasure and relaxed? Uh, And and so those two live in the limbic system. Oxytocin, that's the bonding chemical. That's literally what is in a mother's breast milk, bonds mother to child chemically. Uh, We get oxytocin in sexual contact. Anything that we do uh, that causes our brain to release oxytocin, we can form a chemical bond to. You get oxytocin in porn. You get dopamine, you get serotonin, you get oxytocin, you get endorphins. Okay, all of these things happen, but they don't have an executive command and control system. The frontal cortex is not working yet. Uh, So there's no executive command and control, no long range planning, no truth, values, morals, consequences. And everybody's telling the the teachers and the youth ministers, you got to teach them truth, morals, values and consequences and their brains don't get it. That's why they look at you the way they do. Whatever, man, are we done yet? Um, can we play a game? Um, you know, this is the thing. They can't really grasp that as well as we would like them to be able to. And the limbic system is all they have making their decisions. And do you know what its ultimate horizon is for making a decision? 15 seconds. <laughs> Woo! Nothing bad happened to me 14 seconds ago. I'm golden. <laughs> This explains any time you've ever heard anyone say, hold my beer, watch this. (laughs) All right. This is all you have working for you until your early to mid 20s. This is why I don't care who you were or who you are. You were a raving idiot in high school and college. All of us were. Because we were making all of our decisions in 15-second increments. There is no greater evidence of the grace of God than the fact that any of us are still alive. (laughs) Um, You know, that is what it is. So so this limbic system, all by itself, 
the kids that you're dealing with, this is a kindergarten classroom with no teacher in the room. It looks like this. Um, they're just eating paste. That's how they make all their decisions. That's just what it is. It's just like, hey, nothing bad happened 14 seconds ago. I am good. How many of you, how many of you are, 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 are parents? How many times have you looked at your kid? What are you thinking? They're thinking nothing bad happened 14 seconds ago, man. They don't have the executive command and control. So this is a survey um, that was done not too long ago uh, by Barna. Um, and um, I was involved in some of the commentary on this. But take a look. This is, this is what is usually or always wrong. All right, 13 to 24. Viewing pornographic images, number nine. Not recycling is at number four. <laughs> the deck has changed. And I think the biggest mistake a lot of us make is we just assume that they come in with the same template that we do. No, they don't. And let's take a look here. The number one most morally offensive thing is taking something that belongs to someone else. Um, that's kind of what porn is. Number two, having a romantic relationship with someone other than a spouse. That's also kind of what porn is. And it'll lead to that uh, for a lot of people. Saying something that isn't true. That's kind of what porn is. <laughs> Porn will lead us and teach us to objectify people. We strip the Imago Dei from them. They are a two-dimensional or a one-dimensional object on a screen, and I use them for my sexual gratification, and then I discard them. We strip the Imago Dei. That is the essence, the definition of objectification. And when people are objects, they are eminently disposable. Not recycling is the number four offensive. Thinking negatively about someone with a different point of view. Think about how these things up here, overeating, significant consumption of electricity or water, um, wanting something that belongs to someone else. Think about how the people to whom you minister, think about the lens through which they are judging you. I have spent 20 years doing this. It's a little easier now, but for years, I was just out in the bay of the evangelical world firing my pirate ship cannons aghast that no one would invite me in. <laughs> um, and, you know, but I'm telling you, so much of the time we pound and scream about, you know, morality and, mor and moral offense, and we're so guilty of so many. And then you add that this is the lens through which they're judging that. Man, a lot of us are dead before we get into a discussion about number nine. They've already written this off. So, how do we survive this? <laughs> how, do we, how do we survive this? 
We must outwit, outplay, and outlast. It is the very definition of both parenting and youth ministry. Um, This is the thing. So here are some failed strategies. This never works. We love this one. A lot of us love this one. People love to freak out. They're the ones, those are the parents that are going to call you and be like, hey, um, I don't know if we should be doing this. Or they call you because they found something in the house. They found their child watching porn. They found, uh, they found their child's vibrator. There's a million things that are going to you know, come out. Um, and a lot of them freak out. So that's one parental strategy. It's just absolute abject freak out. It's not working. Uh, this is a current favorite. Uh, is to be the cool parent. Uh, they just want to be the cool ones. They want to be friends. They don't really want to be parents, um, you know, because that's harsh and they don't want to come down on their kids. Hey, guess what? Kids need parents. Again, kindergarten classroom with no teacher in the room. These are not our brightest. Uh, they need parents. So they're, they don't need another friend. They don't need a friend that's an adult. Uh, they need an adult to be, you know, an adult. Uh, and, and particularly a parent. So this is not working um, at all. We had a arrest in our neighborhood um, last spring, uh, prom night. You know, one of the parents in the neighborhood just thought like, yeah, hey, I'm, look, I'm just going to buy beer for all the seniors. Um, and, and here's the famous line. Well, you know, they're going to drink. <laughs> And I would just rather they drink where I know they are so I can keep them safe. And I'm like, well, did you buy them some rails of cocaine too? <laughs> where do you stop that logic? Um, so um, that's not working. Cool mom's not working. Cool dad's not working. A monster, a classic Let's just act like it's not happening. Let's just, can we just do that? Can we just act like it is not happening? Can we do that? It would be so much more comfortable for me as the parent to just assume and act like this is not going down. Okay? Um, and so that is really not working. Uh, this is not working either. Surveillance and, and just, hey you know, direct punishment for wrongs. It's also not working. Um, This is not working either. A lot of parents just figure, it's kind of like when you meet someone who doesn't speak your language, you just speak slower and louder, um, that maybe this will get through to them. Um, And so parents are screaming and that's not working. And so parents really are looking for strategies and looking for ways to kind of do this. If you are, um, if you double as a as a children's minister with your with your parents of kids, you teach them because they've all been a crossing guard. Every one of us has taught a kid to cross the street. Anyone not have that experience? Uh, okay, it'll come. Um, but <laughs> did anyone teach you to cross the street? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, and that's why you're still alive. Um, but so, how did they teach you to cross the street? Uh, I mean, with my parents, look both ways, make sure the traffic's coming, stay in the line. Yeah, it looks a lot like this, right? 
parents got a hold of the hand. And we all do the same sing-song little voice. Okay, let's look to the left and let's look to the right. Is it safe? And then we'll take a step. We we'll keep looking and we do that. And we cross the street. We cross with holding their hand the whole way. And over time, we kind of drop the hand, give them a little independence. Pretty soon we're taking a step back and letting them get a little ahead, but we can still yank the collar. And then we're standing back and letting them cross. And then we're on the driveway and then we're back in the house and watching them cross because we know we've taught them how to do it. And parents are not teaching their kids how to deal with a very digital highway. And they are ending up roadkill on a daily basis. And everyone is stunned. We live in a digital world now and we have to adjust. Most of us grew up in an analog world and there was time and friction between us and stupid. You had to like work to deceive parents when we were kids. You had to put thought, effort, and planning into it. To get into trouble, you had to really work at it. And now Google will bring you trouble in 0.2 seconds. Not a problem. And we're not asking our kids. We'll ask them, how was your day? And what we mean is, how was your day in the analog world? We're not asking questions about how was your day in the digital world? What cool thing did you see on the Internet today? What, what challenged you on the Internet today? What irritated you on the Internet today? Did, any, did a stranger contact you today? Did anything frighten you today on the Internet? Ask questions about the digital world because that's where they live. Uh, so, crossing guards when they're young, when they get into the teenage years, we transition to lifeguards. All right, we're further away. We're not right up and involved in every little conversation, and we're continually scanning the environment. We're watching, we're staying vigilant, we're paying close attention, we're looking for what may be wrong, and we're looking for opportunities that we might need to intervene, uh, to have conversation, to interact. Media is a great opportunity to do this. Do not just sit and let media passively wash over us. Interact with it. Ask questions. Hey, how does that compare to God's design? What do you think would be different if this character was a believer? Hey, what would you do if this person showed up at church on Sunday? Um, you know, most shows or movies spend a good 20, 30 minutes teaching us that, hey, you really need to hate this person. Um, and so that's always, man, do this with your kids. Uh, hey, let's just sit down and have a conversation about what if that character showed up here on Sunday? What's our plan to love that person? This is an amazing conversation. That's an amazing conversation to get into. Listen to the music. Listen to the lyrics if you're not horrified. Um, and just a, enter into conversation about that. I've got six hours in the car today with my 17-year-old driving down to Baton Rouge. We're going to listen to all kinds of stuff. I cannot tell you the number of conversations we're going to have. 
And she knows that, and she wants to go. It's great. Um, and use the brain. Um, the brain is not capable of not doing something. Okay? This is key. The, God did not design our brain to not do. God designed our brain to do. This is why. When, so uh, well, how many of you, um, well, uh, how many of you are married? All right, cool. Uh, how many of you are in a significant relationship if not married? Um, all right, just a safe bet. Uh, how many of you are senior pastors? All right, cool. Two. Um, so for those of you who are not senior pastors, in the next 10 seconds, under penalty of death, and for those of you who are senior pastors, I know you're married. You married? Yeah. Awesome. Under penalty of death, a lightning bolt will come through this window and strike you dead. I kid you not. If you get a picture, you too, if you see your spouse in your mind in the next 10 seconds, and if any of you see the senior pastor for whom you work, if you see a picture of him in the next, in the next 10 seconds, you're going to die. So don't do it. <laughs> Every one of you did it. And so we spend our time going, hey, kids, please don't do the porn. Hey. Don't do that. Uh, don't, don't, don't look at porn. Don't masturbate. Don't do that. Don't have sex. I don't. Just please don't do that. God tells Adam and Eve, hey, anything you want, do anything you want. Do not <laughs> eat from the fruit of that tree right there. And Adam and Eve are within earshot of the serpent. They had the expanse of the globe to explore. They could have gone anywhere. Had their energy been on, hey, what can we do instead? Things would have been amazing. But the energy was on a, I wonder why we can't do that. <laughs> um, and there you go. So Spending our time teaching kids to not do and telling them to not do is a fruitless journey. What can we do instead? Most people watch porn when they're out of options. There's nothing else to do. I sit in my office all day, every day, and I talk with people who have all kinds of sexual problems. My days are never boring. But do you know how many times I hear that, well, I, I don't know, I was just bored. Happens all the time. Options. What can we do instead? If our energy is on not doing, it's not going to work. All right, so let's talk about this. What does the Bible actually say? Uh, many don't really know, and the people that we're ministering to don't really know. But here's their response very often when we bring it up. Um, you, you know, they're just, just going to give you the eye roll so loud you can almost hear it. Um, and, but I'm going to tell you, if this is what you're getting, that is the surest sign that you're doing it right. We ask our kids every day, every day, hey, do you know mom and dad love you? Yes. 
Do we love you when you make good choices? Yes. Do we love you when you make bad choices? Yes. Why do we love you? Because I'm your daughter. Right. And is there anything you can do to change the fact that you're my daughter? No. So what does that mean? You will always love me. I'm always your daughter. Great. Do you know mom and dad are proud of you? Same series of questions. That would have changed my life if somebody did that for me. Would have changed my world. If you're getting the eye rolls and the sigh and the foot stomp, that is the parental trifecta. You are on. All right, push through. Um, my favorite place to go with this is just quite simply Galatians 5. Fruit of the Spirit, works of the flesh. Just compare the two. Who would choose the works of the flesh when you see the list? Like, that sounds awesome. Give me some of that. Uh, but that is what happens when you take sex, when you take the terminated manufacturer's rep version of sex, that's what you get. Jealousy, enmity, strife, fits of rage, you know, all this stuff. Still cracks me up that we use the translation sorcery. <laughs> like what? Like Gandalf? Like, um, <laughs> like what? Is this like Voldemort? Like what? Um, the, the Greek word is pharmakia. It's drugs, everyone. Like, I, but we're all like, ah, we can't put that in the Bible. Um, it, you know, so it's sorcery. Um, because that's relevant to today's youth. And, um, you know, but it's, it's pharmacia, it's drug use. Now, drug use was tied to pagan ceremonies and there was witchcraft in those. And so I think that's really why it's still there. But it's drug use. Um, how many of you are dealing with that in your youth ministry that you know of? Yeah, guess what? All of you are dealing with it. <laughs> um, so, um, but, you know, good questions to ask with porn and masturbation. Like, does that... Porn and masturbation, does that draw you closer? Do you feel more connected to people when you do that? Or do you feel farther and less connected? Just simple little questions to get into the discussion. Look, well, how do you feel when that happens? How do you feel when you do that? I have yet to meet the first person who has been reaching for the box of Kleenex going, I'm so glad I did that. It doesn't happen. Everyone is feeling a truckload of shame on the back end. And guilt and shame are very, very different. Guilt is a fear of punishment. That's about my activity. Shame is a fear of abandonment. That's my identity. That is different. And this is all shame-driven behavior. If you really know me and who I am and what I've been and what I've done, you would not stay in the same zip code with me. Look, I've been in church since I was a fetus. And I was into porn at eight, sexually abused, having sex by 13. And never could tell anybody because I was sure they would bring back stoning and I would be the first. Really was like, oh, they'll kill me. And so I wouldn't do that. But if you just look at fruit of the spirit, works of the flesh, and you just keep that ruler in front of people, 
is really helpful. Really helpful. And for those of you on staffs at churches, I'll challenge all of you. What is your church's vision statement for the godly sexuality of your youth? If you don't have one, get one. Why not? And if you are settling for, well, we just kind of hope they make it to the altar, virgins, you are selling them all tragically short. This is ground that we can reclaim. We know who wins this. It's not a losing battle. So we watch this. Um, Also, you want to really watch theology. Who knew that would be helpful? Um, And when I'm talking about this, like how many of you um, have used or do use the Heidelberg Catechism? One, two, um, three, good. Um, So look, questions one in 60. I spoke years ago at the University of Nebraska, Campus Crusade brought me in. I said, I'll come as long as your name appears nowhere on the marketing material because no one wants to hear what the Christians are going to say about porn. Um, And they said, okay. Um, And they booked too small a room. We had 2,000 college students and we had another 700 to 1,000 out in the hall trying to listen. I got to open Q&A at the end. Young man stands up. I can see, man, he is heaving, he is crying. The mic slowly makes its way down the aisle to him and it gets to him and, I, and we can all hear this guy crying and I'm like, man, I just waited. He finally settled down enough to speak. And he's, the first thing he said was, I do not know what to do with you. And I said, yeah, I get that a lot. He said, I do not know what to effing do with you, man. I said, okay. So is there a question? Or? <laughs> and he said, I don't know. He said, but you're telling me, like, I I cannot envision a day without porn or sex. And you are telling me that this can harm me, that I may have erectile dysfunction, that I may have all of these issues. And and you're scaring me to death. And I said, awesome. I said, but I'm still not hearing a question. Can I ask you one? And he said, sure. And I said, just you, me, and 1,999 of your closest friends. Where are you on the whole Jesus thing? He said, oh, man, like, um, I said, I'll take that as a no. He said, yeah, I don't believe any of that. This is okay. So can I ask you another question unless you have one? He said, sure. I said, what's your only comfort in life and in death? It's question one of the Heidelberg Catechism. The Westminster starts with, what's your job? (laughs) Um, And the Heidelberg starts with, hey, what's your comfort, man? So I love the Heidelberg. Um, But so I asked him, what's your only comfort in life and in death? And he says, I don't know. I said, sure you do. You said it's porn and sex. It's a lower batting average than Tylenol. So this is where you and I are different. 
you know my only comfort in life and death is? That I'm not my own. That I belong both body and soul. And I give him the whole answer to number one in front of 2,000 and however many outside raging college students. I throw this down. Who knew porn could be an evangelistic tool? And it is, and it can be, if we will just talk. You have kids and people that are imprisoned in this. And I'm going to tell you, a lot of you in this room, just statistically speaking, a lot of you in this room can't talk about it because you're battling it too, and you feel like a hypocrite if you bring it up. Get the help that you need. It is available. It is readily available. And Subnote, if you're in ministry at all, I don't know how you do it without a HIPAA-compliant licensed professional counselor somewhere in your world, um, someone who is bound to not share whatever you said. Uh, that's really key um, and helpful. But I'm telling you, you can get help and we can be eminently helpful for these kids and the parents that are raising them. I can be of any assistance. I am always, always, always available. Um, this is, again, um, how you can contact me. Um, but I gave that guy question one and question 60. Question one, what's your only comfort in life and, life and death? 60, how are you made righteous before God? That guy became a believer that night at a porn presentation. It was awesome. We win. This is not a losing battle. We win. The outcome is already determined. Step into the fight. You can do this. The Holy Spirit inside of you can beat death. This is not that. So you got a really good shot. <laughs> so wade in. If I can be of assistance, you let me know. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rooted Conference podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music on this podcast. Oh,